Hey, my name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm a certified life coach and motivational speaker, and I'm here to help you unlock your true strength so you can create the life of your dreams. I teach you my best tips to master your mindset, create confidence, and empower yourself to take back your life. It's your time. This is the Mind and Body Strong Podcast. Welcome back to the Mind and Body Strong podcast. Today, I have the one, the only, Denise Jacobs, who is a speaker and author, and she wrote the book called Banish Your Inner Critic. This book really stuck out to me when I was at the bookstore one day, and I just had to have it. And I just devoured every single page, all of the lessons, all of the amazing activities that she includes in here, and that she teaches around the world to help corporations really engage their contributors and help to unlock creativity, which really gets blocked when we have all of these inner critic thoughts going on in our head. But the conversation that Denise and I have in this episode today is really just vital for anyone because we talk about how this inner critic voice, it doesn't only apply to creativity, which is what she really frames the book Banish Your Inner Critics about, but it also applies to every single area of your life your relationships, your career, your health, every single thing. We are having conversations in our head and if we work to shift those conversations to a place where we can allow more love and appreciation and gratitude, that is where things can really, really change for us. I can't wait for you guys to hear from Denise. She is fantastic, gives us so many amazing takeaways. You're gonna wanna get a notebook and write this down. I can't wait to introduce you to Denise. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mind and Body Strong podcast. I have a fantastic guest with me here today. Her name is Denise Jacobs. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you. So Denise, actually, I read her book. So for my audience out there, she has written a book called um, Banish Your Inner Critic. And I saw it at the bookstore. I said, I have to have this. <laughs> and what I loved about how you wrote it is two things. I love that the chapters have actual thoughts that people used at your, at your speeches that you did. Yeah. So she, yeah. You did like an activity. Yeah. Yeah. So I do this activity. I call it the indoor snowball fight. And yeah. when I say I call it, I mean the person that gave me this, shared this activity with me said it's called indoor snowball fight. And I was like, great. <laughs> so not to take credit. I did not think of it. It's a, a uh, a well-used uh, kind of interactivity tool uh, for for facilitations and whatnot. But um, what I did was I I would have people think about their top fear mm -hmm. around creativity, and then I would have them write it down on a piece of paper, crumble up the piece of paper into a ball, and then on the count of three, throw the ball as far as it can across the room. Right, and so it's phenomenal to see this in an auditorium with like, you know, 2000 people and you know, balls flying everywhere and everything and just how much fun people have with it. But what I started doing is I started, um, you know, kind of after about maybe the first or second one, I was like, this is really good data, right? This yeah. is really 
good information. And so I started collecting. I actually spoke at Adobe Max back in 2015. And it was one of the first times I had done the exercise. And then, you know, after the high of, of, of giving the, the talk and how well received it was and everything, I'm left there in the room with all of these pieces of paper on the floor. And I was just like, you yeah, know, just I'm curious. And so I started reading them and I was like, wait a minute. And then I just started gathering them up. And then after a while, I'd be like, hey, leave the papers for me because I use them as research because this is like phenomenal data. So yeah. um, I caught, I got them. I got them home and then I started to categorize them. Like all of the times that somebody said, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I'm not, I don't know enough. I don't, not talented enough. I'm not skilled enough. I was anytime there wasn't enough. I was like, okay, these are similar. Anytime it was like, you know, people are going to find me out as a fraud. Uh, I kept those. Any ones that said, um, you know, I'm not as smart as other people, or I'm not as talented as other, or I work with uh, such a talented group of, of teammates. How do I measure up? I was like, okay, that's all about comparison. So I started, um, I started to categorize them, and I realized that there were these, these, these groupings of thinking that you're not enough, of uh, judging yourself, of being really highly self-critical, of feeling like I can't do it unless it's perfect or if it's not perfect, then it's going to be, you know, like all sorts of things, or I can't ever get started or, you know, all of these different things that people said. And so when I wrote the book, I was like, this, I'm not just making this stuff up, right? Like this is not me writing a book because I think this is a good idea. Like I'm literally writing this book based on, what people have told me, like what people have shared, what they're, what they revealed, it's all anonymous, mm -hmm. right? But it's all very real. This is, this is literally what is in somebody's head, mm -hmm. right? This, these are their actual thoughts. And the other thing that I think is really interesting, and that's one of the reasons why I was, I was really happy to be on your podcast, is that creativity was just the context that I used for all of this information in the book. But this Banish Your Inner Critic, it isn't just about creativity. It's, it could be about anything, right? It can be about body transformation. It can be mm -hmm. about relationships. It can be about your career. It can be about being more, I mean, it can be about so many things, right? Absolutely. And by the way, Katie, I don't know if you, you don't, I don't know if you think you know this about me, but I used to be about a hundred pounds heavier than I am now. Oh, really? And I did like a really kind of over the course of five years did like a quite a big body transformation yeah. uh, uh, endeavor. And um, I never like calling it weight loss because right. when you lose something, you, you go and look for it again. Sure. Um, and so, um, so like, I also really do understand what the, the, the inner critic in relationship to body size and body transfer, you know, and mm -hmm. all the kinds of body identity and all of that stuff. Yeah. So not just, not just around creativity. And, and with this exercise, one of the things that I think is so powerful about it is that you can contextualize it any way you want. So I've spoken at leadership conferences and done this exercise and said, what is your top fear about being a leader? 
Mm. I've done it at conferences where I was talking about collaboration and I was like, what's your top fear about collaborating with people? Mm -hmm. You know, like, and so you can, you can contextualize it any way you want, but you will get that, that core, you know, very um, essence of what people's fears are because, and the nice thing is, like I said, it's anonymous. So. Yeah. I love that activity. It was like, and and how it was set up to, these are actual thoughts that people are having in their brain and in the context of creativity in the book, but you're so right. It's, it's in anything that we do in life. We see these different thoughts that are coming up in our brains. And I think a lot of times we're just not even aware that they're, we're operating from that, that system. So I loved that in your book, you really give a lot of tangible tools to help people break through that inner critic to unlock their creativity or unlock, you know, their body transformation or whatever it might be. It's, it's really like what I see in my work too, is just like the roadblock that stops people from living their best lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's crazy. Totally. So I would love to hear just like for those people who are having like those inner critic thoughts that are just so like just paralyzing, Mm -hmm. what are some of your best tools to help people gain awareness and kind of take back their, their brains from this inner critic? Right. And take their power back. So one of the things, and and like kind of what you were saying earlier is um, it's really about the awareness, right? It's really about the awareness and being able to identify that voice because what happens is so many times people that voice is so um, dominant and so prevalent in their brains that they don't realize that it's the voice of their inner critic and not the voice of actually their kind of their true selves or like their true souls you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. your true self and your true soul is not critical and not your I mean like your true self is like is powerful and knowing and you know wise and pays attention and all this stuff and then and then you've got that scared part of yourself it's like oh 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 oh, if you do this horrible things are going to happen don't no oh you know right um and so one of the one of the exercises I have in the book um is an exercise where um I call it inner critic mad libs and yeah, I, I love mean, that one. <laughs> identify your inner critic through um, through completing these sentences. So saying things like, um, "If I blank, then I'll blank." So you know, if I try to do anything, I'm going to fail. Um, or if I, you know, I can't blank because then I'll blank. Or because then people will blank. Right? I can't mm-hmm. try something because then people will laugh at me or they will judge me. Um, that sort of thing. And so I have actually kind of a list of 10 of these different Mad Libs that you can do um, that help help you get in touch with those, those kind of limiting thoughts um, and those limiting beliefs that really are, um, that originate from the inner critic. And then basically the whole rest of the book <laughs> That's at the be- right at the beginning, right? Then the whole rest of the book is all of these kind of different ways to, to, um, to start dismantling those voices mm-hmm. and to start dealing with those with those with those thoughts. Um, one of my favorite exercises, and I don't know if you saw this. Actually, this is is something where 
um, you'd actually have to have seen me talk in person because I don't think I put it in the book. I don't remember, actually. Um, but um, I have an exercise that I do where um, what I do is I have people put up both hands in front of their face mm -hmm. and to focus on one hand, to like put all of your focus on one hand mm -hmm. and look at the shape of your hand, look at the shape of your fingers, the lines on your hands, just really, really focus on that hand. It's actually interesting. My hand is getting warm because of all of the- focus. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this as you're talking, trying it out and I can, yeah. So, then imagine that this hand that you're focused on, this first hand, is holding all of those negative thoughts, all of those inner critical thoughts. I can't start something that I can't exercise because it's too hard and I'm not athletic. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then slowly start to shift your attention from your first hand to your second hand. And put all your focus and your attention on that hand. And Look at the shape of your fingers, look at the lines on your palm, et cetera. And then think that this hand is holding all of the positive things that you want to say. Like, you know what, I'm going to start and I'm going to do the best that I can. And we'll just see, you know, like I deserve to take good care of myself. Like I can be creative, whatever it is that you want to be thinking. Now, this is a good question for you, Katie. Is your first hand still there? Yes. <laughs> Do you care about your first hand now that you're so focused on your second hand? No, I forgot about it. <laughs> you forgot about it. <laughs> exactly. And that is exactly that we have. This is actually a practice of mindfulness combined with focus and attention. Mm. Right. And so our brains are actually a function, our thoughts and how our brains work is a function of what we pay attention to and what we focus on. Oh, so good. Right? And so when you actually do this exercise, you're physically forcing or you're physically able to see and viscerally see and feel what it's like to take your attention and to take it from one place and to put it on another place. Yeah. I love and that then, example. Right? And then you can actually feel the difference of like, you're like, wait, I, I don't care about what's in that other hand, right? right? I'm so focused on this. And we have that same power to be able to do that with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you have it, find yourself getting into that, like that kind of rumination cycle where you're cycling on these negative thoughts over and over again, I just tell people, just put your hands up mm -hmm. and then the, put all your focus and then just shift. So you can actually feel the difference. And then you can be like, Oh, right. Yeah, right. I can do this anytime. I can do this just like the same way. You know, if you do yoga or meditation or anything, it's like your breath is always there. You can always focus on your breath, mm -hmm. right? You always have that capacity to take that to get back in control, to get back into uh, the present, to like become more mindful. You, and you always have the power to shift your attention from one thought to another. I love that so much because I, I am very visual myself. So I could feel the shift when I had my hands up in the air and especially the last piece there too. And for those of you listening in on the podcast, if you weren't doing this along with us, please rewind and do it with us because it's really powerful to see how when you shift your focus, 
those negative thoughts might still be there, but you've just chosen to put your focus on the good stuff. And I see that happen so often with people I speak with just reporting all of the negative things like they're the news and like, this is just how it is. There's no other way. But when you really shift their focus to start to point out the things that are going well, even if it's the smallest things, like it's those types of shifts that can help us go in the right direction. And I think that's such a good awareness exercise to be like, oh yeah, I do have a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we feel like we don't. We feel like we don't, but it's, but you know, it's like, and, and again, the more you do, you make choices like that, the more you make a choice to choose a positive thought over a negative thought, what you're actually doing is you're starting to rewire your brain. Mm. You're actually practicing neuroplasticity and you're actually training your brain to lay down different neural tracks and to create stronger connections between the, with the positive thinking mm-hmm. and weaker connections with the negative thinking. Yeah, which is so powerful and our brains are just such an incredible organ in our body. Like it's in mm-hmm. our minds and bodies are so connected. Like they cannot exist one without the other, which is why I love the whole idea of the mind and body connection and really understanding how your mind processes can help you, you know, understand how to connect that a little bit better. And that's why like, you know, yoga meditation, you had mentioned, and even just these simple things of shifting the focus from one hand to another can help you have more of that awareness to like, what's actually going on. Awareness is such a big thing. Like I remember when I was first kind of going into my journey and that one of my counselors was like, Oh, just be aware of what's going on. And I was like, what are you talking about? Tell me what to do. I need the step-by-step like very like, (laughs) like that. And when you're introduced to mindfulness for the first time, it's like, what is this? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, for someone who's very like, what do I do? It's like, well, maybe you just do nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. But another thing you talk a lot about in the book is like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, all of those types of things. And I think that again, it comes up in every single area of life and it can really paralyze us from doing the things that we love. So I'm curious when you were writing this book, did you have any of that come up for you? Oh my God, all the time. And you know, the the funny thing is, is that this whole journey, actually, for me and to actually even to get to the point of writing this book, it all started when I wrote my first book, which was called the CSS Detective Detective Guide, because I used to be a web designer, web developer. And, um, and what ended up happening was during the process of writing that book, I was faced with this inner critic and feeling like an imposter and trying to do it perfectly and like you know procrastinate I was just I was doing all of it judge affair being judged and comparing myself to other people and just super highly self-critical all of this stuff that I was doing like every day for like nine months or you know like 10 months it was a lot, right? Like every day. And then finally, you know, at one point I was just like, I just have to like, how do you get over self-doubt? Like, what do you Mm. do to get over self-doubt? And that's when I discovered this article that interestingly enough had a phrase in it that said, banish your inner critic, 
to go search for rare lemurs in Madagascar. Hmm. And I was like, banish your inner critic. I just really like the way that sounds. And, um, and so like, it just kind of like went and like, you know, like went in the back of my mind and stuff. But I still, you know, I was like, I started like being more, paying more attention of like, okay, this thing is coming up. I need some kind of way to deal with it. And so I started coming up with like these kind of different tactics, like how I would be like, all right, I'm going to write a really bad paragraph. Like, I just need to write. I'm not going to worry about whether it's good or not, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, Nobel Prize, you know, writing award worthy or anything. I'm just going to write a really bad sentence. Then I'm going to write a really bad paragraph. Then I'm going to write like, then this chapter is going to be awful. And it doesn't matter because I just, I just need to write it. Mm -hmm. And then I would do things like I would take uh, comedy breaks and I would watch comedy so that I would laugh so that it would help me relax. And then I could think better and I would get up and I would take dance breaks and I would get up and I would, you know, like there's just like all these kind of things that I would do that I realized were actually creativity enhancing techniques, but that were also because they also enhanced creativity because they distracted the inner critic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then that kind of got me on this whole path of looking into, you know, delving into understanding how creativity works and the creative process and, and everything kept coming back to, well, if you're feeling like an imposter, you're not going to be able to be creative. Well, if you're fear, afraid of being judged, you're not going to be able to creative. Well, if you're like a perfectionist, you're trying to do, I was like, so basically what you're saying is you can't be creative until your inner critic is silent. Great. Mm. And, um, and so that's kind of, that's what kind of got me on this thing. So when I was writing the book, this book, the irony is, is that I was so immersed in information about the inner critic that it was like, instead of it like being like, oh, I've got all these techniques and I was struggling with stuff and I knew that I was struggling with stuff, but it was, I was almost, it was almost more intense because I was so in the mode of thinking about the inner critic and thinking about all of the different nuances and ramifications and, uh, you know, like all of the different things in my past that it connected with. And, and then it was like, here I am an expert, you know, quote unquote, on the inner critic, experiencing the inner critic, like, ah, what's happening? Mm -hmm. So, um, so it was just, it was just, uh, it was kind of, it was very meta in a lot of ways but um and then the actually the funny thing is is that i ended up um having kind of such bad inner critic that basically i actually had writer's block or it felt like writer's block and i hired a writing coach to help me and that's because she had written a book uh, Mm -hmm. called around the writer's block and she her uh, whole approach was how to uh, kind of use neuroscience to um, overcome writer's block. And I was just like, um, I'm sorry, are we like sisters from another mister? Like what just <laughs> happened here? Cause I was like, I read the whole book and I was like, this is amazing. And this is basically all the stuff I'm writing about, but with like a kind of different take on things. Mm-hmm. I was like, and I was like, but 
I could try to work through all of this myself. I was like, but I really just want somebody to work with. So I called her or like send her an email and I said, look, this is what's happening. I'm experiencing all this writer's block. I've got like five weeks left to finish this book. And I have like another like seven chapters that I'm trying to write and all this stuff. And she was like, okay. So, so I ended up working with her and it was really, really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, I totally, I totally had inner critical stuff while I was working with the book and then afterwards. And then the interesting thing is, is that um, in terms of my, the, my, my own inner critic around writing Banisher inner critic, very meta, how that kind of stopped or not stopped, but like over time, it became less and less and less, I think, because now it feels like even though it's been three years since the book came out, it feels like it's finally like people are fine. Like, I think I just, I think I just was early. Like, I think it was just kind of early for the market. It wasn't the right time necessarily. Also it could have been a marketing issue, but I think now it's starting to just get into people's hands like yours. Like mm -hmm. I saw it in the bookstore, I had to buy it right at that moment mm -hmm. and I devoured it. Um, and I feel like now it's just like, it's like the right time and it's, it's it getting people and, and it's really resonating. And I'm just like, I was just ahead of the curve. Yeah. And I, I think it's so relatable that while writing a book like this, like experiencing that post imposter syndrome, experiencing all of those thoughts, because I think it's a super unrealistic expectation to think that they're like, just never going to be there ever again. Right. And the perfectionism piece of it, like it has to be done perfect. I loved the expectation you had set in the beginning when you started talking about just write a bad sentence and then write a bad paragraph. Like, okay, I could do that because it takes the pressure off. And now you're just creating, mm -hmm. which is so great because when we get ourselves in that corner and we need to have it exactly right. Um, I experience this all the time with stuff I'm creating and it's just like, I get myself in the corner and it, it's just, if you can just flip it around and just say, just do something really bad and then <laughs> write it down, make it, you know, un imperfect and then just let it be, um, can be so, so powerful. Oh, I was just going to say, I love that you were like bringing up the creative breaks that you would do to kind of refill your cup as I would kind of say that it's like self care and like really taking good care of yourself to bump up that creativity. And I think that that is so important. And I do that a lot myself being mm. that I'm someone who tries, like I get in that habit of like working too much mm -hmm. and then my creativity or like, you know, my motivation just is like, <laughs> right. so taking those, yeah. So taking those creative breaks is like so important, but I know you, you mentioned comedy being one that you really love. Is there other like self-care, like activities slash creative activities that you love to do to kind of get yourself back in that place? Well, um, one of the things I do a lot, and, and the funny thing is, it's like, you know, we talk a, a lot of times when people envision self-care, um, they envision, you know, being on a chase lounge on a beach underneath a palm tree with like a drink in your hand, mm -hmm. you know, like that's restorative that's revitalizing that's rest and it can be i'm not arguing with that that can be rest um and i think for some people rest can also be and i will say this for myself that rest can mean 
doing something different than the thing that's the stressor, right? Mm -hmm. So doing something, still being active, but having being having that activity be something that is a restorative activity. So um, for me, I do um, quite a bit of gardening, and um, and. Honestly, it's kind of almost more like landscaping, I would call it. I'm starting to like, because I always feel like, again, with gardening, the image that you get in your head, like I always get this image of like a lady in a garden with a hat <laughs> and a basket over her arm and little gloves mm -hmm. and clippers where she's clipping roses and laying them in the basket and that is for gardening mm -hmm. you know and i'm like no when i say when i'm like i was gardening what i'm doing is serious yard work and i'm hauling huge like wheelbarrows full of mulch and compost and i'm digging you know holes and planting mm -hmm. trees and like i'm you know, repotting like 20 plants at a time. I do not have a basket over my arm and gloves and a floppy hat. Like mm -hmm. I am sweating. I got Adam hot in Florida. It's hot and it's sunny. And I'll go out for two hours and my whole shirt will be like completely drenched in sweat. This is, this is work, y'all. This is work. But it's not work work right mm -hmm. like when i garden or when i'm outside in the yard and i'm doing this stuff like it's one of the times you know one of the few times that my brain slows down and focuses and it's like all i'm thinking about is what the next thing okay i'm mm -hmm. doing this pot okay then i'm going to plant the next pot okay just want to make sure that i get enough dirt in there and i talk to the plants and i'm like you're mm -hmm. going to be fine this is going to be great and this is so exciting and blah, blah, blah. And then I get that, and then I would do another one. Oh, do I need more dirt? I need to mix up more dirt. I put this in, I put this. And it's just, it's very like, like very step by step, very like sequential, very linear, very like kind of predictable. And mm -hmm. there's a, some problem solving in it, but it's very. So that's what I do in a lot of ways to restore myself is that I, I give myself permission, or I, you know, I do basically kind of creative projects where I'm thinking, but I'm thinking in a different way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love that. And it really allows you to focus in, like you had said, like doing one thing at a time. It, we get so overwhelmed by just putting everything and all the things on our plate and thinking we need to have, you know, like the next five years planned out today and just taking that time to do something where you can just break it down into little steps and give yourself, give your inner critic something else to think about for a little while mm -hmm. instead of beating the crap out of you. <laughs> right. And as a business owner, and then you, you know, you would like know this too, that as a, as a business owner and you know, somebody who's working to have a social media presence and, you know, visibility and reach and this and that and the other thing and clients and la 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 la. It's like, there is so much to think about. Mm -hmm. There is so, so much to think about strategically, practically, financially, you know, like customer service wise. Like, am I, did I respond to that? Does it take to, oh, I need to, and then I get to need to do, get new business and mm -hmm. this and this and this and so much to think about. 
everything needs to happen, it seems like, at once. Mm -hmm. And it's so over, it can be so overwhelming, mm -hmm. right? And so when it's just like, I just need to put some plants in a pot, it's like super straightforward. And then give them some water afterwards, like easy, easy yeah. peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Like, right. So, you know, something like that, where it's just like, I know exactly, you know, I know pretty much the, the, the pieces of all of this puzzle. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the strategy for business stuff. I don't know all the social media. I don't know all the marketing strategy. I don't know. All the, I don't, you know, I don't know my ideal, you know, client target audience avatar to like, I don't know all of that stuff, but like I can put a pomegranate seedling in a pot mm -hmm. and make sure it stays alive. I can totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just giving yourself those little things and you, you'd brought it up with gardening and I'm kind of thinking about how I'd apply that to even tackling my emails in my inbox. I'm like, okay, I can do this one request and then I do it. And then I'm like, okay, I can do this next request. No mm -hmm. big deal. And I feel like when I slow myself down, instead of just looking at the hundreds of emails that sometimes are in my inbox, and thinking they all need to be done right now, I actually end up getting things done faster. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. if I just think I need to do it all and I'm all over the place and just trying to do all the things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So to wrap up, Denise, I would love to hear what some of your biggest takeaways and lessons are from writing this book, from experiencing it. What are some of your biggest lessons and takeaways from all of that? that you'd like to share? So um, kind of one of the things that I was saying earlier, this is one of the kind of my biggest lessons I feel like right now, or one of my biggest realizations right now is that, and I, I think this is, this is applicable to not just the book, but I mean, I think with everything with your, with our careers and work and stuff like that, is that things are just, they're a slow build. Um, and that, at least for me, like I, like I was saying, I'm just now starting to feel like the book and, and my work around the inner critic and everything is getting the reception that, that I was hoping for, um, that, and getting the recognition that I was hoping for, and that people are starting to think like, oh, you know, saying, oh, this, this, this inner critic stuff that you do would be so perfect for my clients or would be so perfect for my podcast or would be so perfect. Whereas before it was like, I felt like I was saying that and people were like, Oh, that's nice, dear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, inner critic stuff. I mean, like, I, got, I mean, I mean, how, how would that be like relevant for a keynote? I'm like, are you, are you, are you kidding? Or, mm. you know, and now people are like, Oh, it's so important and everybody's got it. And we just want you to come and talk to, and I'm like, okay, okay, this is really, so, so I feel like it's kind of this, this exercise in self-trust of trusting yourself and trusting your ideas and trusting that. Um, and this is, you know, I talk about this a lot in the book, like trusting that what you have to offer, what you come up with and kind of your own unique take on whatever it is, is valuable and that it will be recognized, right? And it may not be an immediate thing. It may not come at the time that you thought it was going to. I mean, I was 
you know, hoping for this like big like reception. Oh my God, the book came out and it's amazing. And all these people like reviewing it and stuff. And you know, that's not exactly what happened, but now it's like, I'm not as attached. And, mm-hmm. and then when people say good things, I'm like, that's wonderful. And this is exactly why I wrote the book. You know, I wrote the book for you, you know, I, I, for you, Katie, in the bookstore looking at the skirt. Um, yes, please. Yes. <laughs> you know, I wrote the book for like all of the people who were just like, I feel like the book was written for me. And I was like, because it was, I wrote it because I know what the struggles are. I understand. And like I said, mm-hmm. it's not just about creativity. It's about so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so yeah, so I mean, it's, I think this, this whole, the, it's the idea that things are a long game and to trust yourself and to trust your work and also then to pay attention, to keep paying attention to what people are saying, what's going on around you so that when the next thing that you work on is just as relevant right? Mm -hmm. And just as resonant and just as impactful, or even maybe even more. Mm -hmm. I love all of that. And I have so many highlighted stuff in your book. It's, it's at home. It's like all highlighted. So I'm definitely going to make sure to put that in the description. All of you guys need to check it out. It's awesome. Has a lot of really tangible tools, like I mentioned earlier, and many of the ones that she shared on the podcast. So where else can people come hang out with you? Where do you hang out online? Okay. So definitely come to my website, denisejacobs.com. And really importantly, sign up for my newsletter at denisejacobs.com slash subscribe, because I have been dropping mad science uh, in my newsletter as of late. Um, please come and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, also, I'm on Twitter at, with Denise Jacobs. I'm on Instagram at Denise Jacobs. On Facebook, you can go to facebook.com uh, slash denisejacobs.com, all written out. Uh, LinkedIn is Denise R. Jacobs. And uh, do you have a YouTube channel, but you know, it's in process, it's in progress. So at some point in time, but uh, those ones for sure. um, But definitely, especially, oh, and then please go to Amazon and uh, buy Buy Spanish your inner book, inner critic. And review it because it's going to be amazing. (laughs) Yes. And please do, please do leave a review because I only have 10 more reviews that I need before it starts getting recommended. So perfect. Yeah. 55 reviews. Um, my goal actually is to get to a hundred. Awesome. Um, so we just, we need like 55, five more reviews to, or 10 more reviews to get to 55 and then however many more to get to a hundred, almost just a little bit over 50. And then, um, more people will hear about the book and, um, and it'll be able to help more folks. Awesome. Well, it definitely needs to be in more hands because I know that this is something that every human being struggles with. So the more people we can spread this message to, the better. So thank you so much for your work and for being with us, with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, like I said, I was just, I was so touched when you reached out. You were like, I read the book, it was amazing. Yes. <laughs> of course, of course, of course, of course. So glad that we got to chat. Me too. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mind and Body Strong podcast. You are what makes this movement and message possible. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, or take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media platform and tag Mind and Body Strong. To learn more about coaching and courses to help you take your journey to the next level, visit mindandbodystrong.com.